0: Hey, Conjurers. I'm Steph. And I'm Sham. For over 50 years, a Long Island family struggled with the mystery of their missing loved one, feeling like no one else cared. Finally, with a little help from media attention, the case was solved. What they discovered, however, was that the answers had always been there and the police seemed to have been actively covering it up all along. Sinky was born on August 22, 1928 in Sagaponic, New York. Louise was a beautiful, well-liked, and hard-working young woman. Growing up in a farming community, farming was all she knew. She worked on the family farm with her siblings while attending Bridgehampton schools. She would be hauling sacks of potatoes right along with the boys and truly loved working the fields. She also loved going dancing and to movies and double dates with her cousins. In her early 20s, she met a handsome man named Albin Piatruas at her cousin's wedding. She was a bridesmaid and he was a groomsman and they hit it off from the start. It wasn't long before they were married and Louise worked his family farm with her husband. She filled her days picking and selling strawberries to the local restaurants and running the family farm stand while also working part-time at Turp's drugstore in town. Louise was a hard-working, family-oriented person whose daughter Sandra meant the world to her. Al wasn't much fun, to say the least. His daughter remembers that he admittedly refused to dance. He was also verbally and physically abusive to both Louise and Sandy, on many occasions lifting them up by their necks and throwing them against the wall sandy tried to protect her mother because her mother wasn't much of a fighter louise tended to be quiet and meek, and sandy said she would simply cower when al got angry
1: i think one of the scariest things about domestic violence is having children involved as a victim myself i never let it get to that point and left before it was even a possibility
0: absolutely
1: please tell me this toxic relationship ended in
0: 1965 louise took sandy and left her husband She went back home to Sagaponic to stay with her father, but by the summer of 1966, she was back with her husband again. He hadn't changed a bit though, and she quickly realized he never would. She decided to leave for good this time and moved back in with her father. Al followed her and begged her to come back, but she was having none of it. She was done.
1: And he'll never change. If they hit you once, they'll hit you again.
0: She opened her own bank account that summer, and then just a couple months later in October of 1966, she suddenly took all the money out, a total of $1,273.80. Today, that would equal $10,241.36. Her daughter remembers her mother showing her two plane tickets to Florida and said they were going on a trip somewhere. She didn't say when or give any details, however, Many people suspect that the plane tickets were actually for herself and her lover William Boken.
1: Wait, her lover William? When did this happen, and who is he?
0: Bill Boken was a Southhold patrolman with a wife and child of his own at home. Most likely, Louise met Bill while working at the soda fountain in the local drugstore, where a lot of police officers would stop in and get a soda or an ice cream. Sandy had met him about three times when Louise would take her along on their rendezvous.
1: Sandy said he was not a nice guy. You could just tell. Okay, so he was having an affair with Louise and her daughter felt negative energy around him. That's two red flags. Kids have a sense about these kinds of things. Maybe he gave off that fairy tale vibe for Louise and she just couldn't see what Sandy could. On the morning
0: of October 6th, 1966, 11-year-old Sandy kissed her mother goodbye and left for school. When she came home, her mother wasn't there and was never seen again. Sandy was passed from house to house amongst her relatives for the next seven years, but she never really felt welcome anywhere and had a tendency to act out because she was angry that her mother had left her. Deep down though, she knew, despite all appearances, her mother would never leave her behind. Louisa's sisters filed a missing persons report with the Southhold Police Department immediately. But after two weeks of absolutely nothing being done to find her, they filed a second missing persons report with the state police. State police investigators Tom Kobe and Dick Fairchild started interviewing the family right away. When they talked to her estranged husband, he made it clear that he didn't care if she was alive or dead. He told police that Louise had been cheating on him with a Southhold town cop named Bill Boken, and he was glad she was missing because she had dragged his name through the mud, making him the laughing stock of the town.
1: Well, Al sounds like he has grown a lot from the last time we heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a real winner. It didn't
0: seem like he cared much what happened to his kid either.
1: No, and also she didn't cheat on you, Al. It's called moving on) <laughs> The investigators
0: left that interview with the strong feeling that Al had nothing to do with his wife's disappearance and turned their focus to Bill Boken. The first thing they discovered was that on October 7th, one day after Louise had last been seen alive, Bill Boken resigned from the police department after only nine years on the force. He had also taken sick leave for the three days prior to resigning. One week after Louise disappeared, her sisters went and talked to Bill Boken,
1: and he claimed that he had left her on the streets of Brooklyn. Why would you leave her out on the streets? It sounds like he was really mad at her for something. Also kind of sounds like a motive.
0: Right? So you don't care that your girlfriend is missing? You just left her on the side of the road? I mean, this was before cell phones. Anything could have happened to her, if that story was even true.
1: Him randomly resigning one day after should send alarm bells to the detectives.
0: Yeah, so Kobe and Fairchild felt that she had been alive through at least October 13th. They had contacted the airline and found evidence that Louise and Bill went to Florida on a short vacation and came back to New York together. They believed that at some point after returning, he killed her, but they had no proof. The family admittedly disagrees, feeling that the airline must have made a mistake because they believe she was dead before they personally asked Bill about her around October 13th. Sometime between October 6th and October 24th, her purse was found along the side of a road. There's no record of who found it or when they found it. Inside the purse, there was a World War II bond, a social security card, and a piece of mail that had been used as scratch paper to write down the name of a doctor in Glen Cove. It didn't appear that the local police had even looked into the doctor, so Kobe and Fairchild did. They then discovered that Louise had contacted this doctor because she was pregnant. This provided even more motive because Bill's wife was also pregnant at
1: this time with their second child. Uh, yeah, that makes total sense, but not a good enough excuse to get rid of the woman.
0: It happens too often, though. Get rid of the mistress instead of facing the consequences of your actions.
1: Was his wife even aware of Louise's existence?
0: Yeah, so Bill's wife was interviewed at the same time, and she told police that Bill had brought Louise to the house one day because she needed to use the bathroom. He dragged her inside reluctantly, and she said Louise seemed scared. She also told police about a time much later when he had knocked her to the ground and while kneeling on her upper chest started choking her with both hands. During the assault, he told her, keep it up and I will bury you in the basement with the other bitch.
1: Poor Louise. I'm sure she didn't believe he was capable of what Al was capable of in the beginning.
0: Abusers seem to have so much charm in the beginning that people can't believe the abusive side is the real them.
1: Did Bill's wife's interview actually do anything?
0: Well, the state police decided they had enough to arrest Bill. But when they went to find him, a family member told them that he had committed himself to a mental institution right before they had arrived and was unavailable to be interviewed by police. Kobe and Fairchild realized that there was definitely some sort of collusion going on between the Southold Town Police and Bill Boken. They felt that he had been tipped off that they were coming to arrest him, which is why he checked himself into a mental institution, so they couldn't get to him. State police were largely blocked from the case after that. Bill was released from the mental institution in March of 1968 and disappeared without a trace. Years later, his father left him a sum of money in his will, which he refused to take because he would have needed to provide his address. When his ex-wife sold their house, he was owed half the proceeds, which he refused because he didn't want state police to have a record of where he was.
1: He may be a horrible person, but he's pretty good at not getting caught. What a sneaky trick.
0: As a former cop himself, he knew how to cheat the system, with a little help from his buddies who tipped him off. So he's still on the run. What was Luis's
1: family doing?
0: Rumors, of course, fueled the community over the years. Louise's family was divided in thinking that Al had murdered Louise. Some thought he was mean, but he wasn't a killer, while others were sure that he had killed her. There was a barn near his farm with a prohibition cellar that everyone in the community was sure Louise was buried under. The rumors were so widespread that when the barn was torn down in the 80s, a crowd gathered to see them unearth Louise, but she wasn't there. In 1982, Bill Boken was found dead in his apartment in Ozone Park. He had died of a heart attack surrounded by empty vodka bottles. He had been living in New York City, working as a taxi driver. For those 14 years, he spent hiding and slowly drinking himself to death. His remains were never claimed, and police were not able to locate his family, so he was buried in a potter's grave to be alone and forgotten for eternity
1: while i don't necessarily feel bad for the guy he had 14 years to live his life and should have been in jail taking accountability agreed it's unfair that he was able to live free
0: all that time but at least it sounds like his life was pretty crappy so that's it he's dead and louise is just forever missing this story isn't over yet sham will
1: tell us what happened to bring it back to life after this short break sandy never gave up on trying to figure out what had happened to her mom she requested the case files to try to find her own clues, but suspiciously, the entire case file from South Hold Police for Louise had been purged, which shouldn't have happened to an open and active case.
0: That is suspicious. I've heard many times about case files being lost over time, but actively purged while the case is still active.
1: Someone was trying to protect Bill.
0: How do you even get it going again at that point?
1: Well, in 2013, the family met Detective Sergeant Joe Conway at a party and asked if he knew the original investigators. They told him about Louise and it sparked his interest in getting involved in the case. He reached out to the only surviving original detective, Richard Fairchild, who had always been haunted by the case and was thrilled at the renewed interest. Buried in the interview records, he discovered that interview with Judy Boken where she stated her husband had threatened to bury her in the basement. So many years later, in 2013, she had remarried and was now Judy Terry. He went to interview her again, but she was clearly still terrified of the man. He came back with Bill Boken's official death certificate, and it opened the floodgates that she had been holding back all these years.
0: Wow. She was so afraid of him that she wouldn't talk until she had proof that he was dead.
1: Yeah, you would think that she would have known by then that he passed. I know she felt relieved.
0: What had she been holding back all these years?
1: She confessed that Bill had forced her to watch as he buried Luis in the basement of her Southhold home. He even made her untie the cords he had wrapped around Luis's body before he rolled her into the hole. She claimed that way back in the 60s, she told then-chief of South police, Joseph Sawicki Sr., about Bill burying a body in their basement. He was chief of police and a close family friend, so she thought that she could trust him to do the right thing and protect her. What came of her startling original confession? Not much, it turns out. Joseph Sawicki Sr. had already passed away by the time these investigators learned of what she had told him, but his wife put out a statement that said, and I quote, I remember clearly, Judy told my husband that a body was buried in the basement of her home. Based on that information... My husband, Joe, went with two state police troopers to dig up and search the basement. He returned home after the search, stating we found nothing, quote.
0: Her husband made her help him bury a body, and she told someone with power that she thought she could trust. I'm sure at that point, she felt the police will always protect Bill because he was one of their own, and she had no one that would help her.
1: They had all the evidence they needed with her confession alone and ignored it. So that was that so that was that in a conversation with the man who was present during the first digging he said the effort was minimal a few test holes looking for soft spots and it occurred in december of 1967 a full 14 months after louise vanished i don't know about you but to me that does not sound like the Southhold police were diligent in their search he
0: barely did anything
1: to verify her claims she must have felt so betrayed i'd be afraid to speak up after that too She was nothing but honest during the entire investigation since day one, and it all backfired. No one was there to protect her.
0: Okay, so now they are hearing her story again over 40 years later.
1: They dug up that basement, right? Well, Conway ordered a new search of the basement, and when they identified the area Judy said the woman had been buried, they dug. When the Bokans had lived there, the floor of the basement had just been dirt, but by 2013, it was concrete. They used a ground-penetrating radar and dug four feet down in the designated section of the floor. They didn't find anything. Well, shit. The Suffolk Times spent years researching, interviewing, and putting together a documentary that aired in October of 2017. It was titled Gone, the Disappearance of Luis Piatruiz, and it was the first real media reporting of Luis's case. No one outside the family and the local community knew anything about her disappearance up to that point. They didn't create the documentary to try to solve the case. They just didn't want her to be forgotten.
0: It always blows my mind when the media ignores cases like this, especially these days with the 24 hour news cycle where they so often fill time with pointless stories and still ignore missing persons cases. Louise was a small town farmer I guess the media didn't really care about people like her.
1: I mean, who's to say the local police didn't possibly play a large role in that as well? It's possible.
0: So when that documentary aired, it had been over 50 years since Louise went missing. Did anything come of it?
1: Detective Conway had retired by then, but was happy the story would be kept alive. New detectives, after seeing the documentary, decided to give it another shot. Six months after the documentary aired, police re-interviewed Judy Terry, Bill Boken's ex-wife, on February 16th of 2018, and a month later, they returned to the basement of that house. When they had shown her a picture of where they dug, she simply replied, it was deeper. She told them Bill had dug a hole as deep as he was tall. They dug again. When they had reached almost seven feet deep, they found a jawbone and knew that they had finally found her. Her skeleton was wrapped in a burlap sack, along with her clothes and the bullets that had killed her. Seriously? They couldn't have asked her that the
0: first time? This lady saw him bury a woman, and they didn't think to ask how far down.
1: Right. No one decided to verify (laughs) any more information with Bill's ex-wife after they dug that first (laughs) dig? (laughs) Okay, look.
0: Sandy was 11 when her mom disappeared. When they found the body, Sandy was in her 60s.
1: How did she react? When the detective showed up at Sandy's house and asked her for DNA, she burst into tears and she asked if they had found her. He nodded yes and tears rolled down his cheeks as well. She had waited 52 years for her mother to come home and she finally would. It was concluded that she had been shot in the abdomen three times, which would have caused her to slowly bleed to death. This was determined based on the clothes that were found with her body. The fact that she had been shot in her stomach further fueled the assumption that he killed her because she was pregnant with his child. The case was officially closed in January of 2019, but with Bill Boken long dead, no arrests were ever made. Can
0: you imagine waiting 52 years to find out what happened to your missing loved one? I'm glad she finally had some closure, but at that point, the person responsible is dead. She will never truly get justice for her mom.
1: I would be so angry, to be honest. They should have taken this case way more seriously.
0: I agree. What else could the family do
1: at that point? Sandy, the daughter of Louise, filed a notice of claim against South Town and its police department, charging that officials knowingly concealed the circumstances of the death and thoroughly failed to investigate who was responsible. The filing, she said, is her way of honoring her mother's memory by pursuing as best she can the truth about the murder. Who knew about it and who did little or nothing to uncover the facts? And what she characterizes as the subsequent cover-up by town officials. She has every right to be
0: angry and even sue that police department for helping her mother's killer escape justice.
1: But by then, all of the actual people responsible were retired or dead. It's unfortunate, but hopefully it's a lesson to other officers now to stop protecting the bad eggs in their department. I hope so. I'm sure the police department didn't own up to any responsibility, though. In March of 2018, according to the Soulfolk County Police, the police homicide squad detectives investigated the circumstances surrounding the discovery of the remains. Police said during an investigation into the 1966 missing person case of Louise, Southold Police detectives searched the basement of the home located on Lower Road. When asked about speculation that the case was not investigated as intensely as it should have been, initially because there was an officer that could have been potentially involved, they said that the investigation originally centered around the missing person. The case began on the South Fork and involved New York State Police, but that came to a dead end. Police representatives said as far as they knew, the Southland Police Department was not the lead agency. Of course, we did the bare minimum and then passed the puke to somebody else. They'll say anything to not be held responsible. Yeah. Sandy said, They know what happened to my mother, and they knew it at the time. They went out of their way to make sure the guilty party was not arrested and no one was held accountable. There are still things that I would like to know, Sandy said. I want to know what really happened that day. She was shot and buried, but what really happened? Who was there when it happened? Why did she go to his house? And what did he say to her before he killed her? Unfortunately, she will likely never get the answers to those questions. He had to confide in someone, but that someone has likely already passed away. Did they dig deeper into Bill Boken after all of this came to light? In 2019, a newspaper wrote an article asking for anyone who may know anything about the labor campfire in 1961 to come forward. Four people died in that fire, and the South Town Police Department at that time ruled that the cause of the fire was a leaky kerosene stove. Bill Boken was the first on the scene, and once it was revealed that he was a murderer and the police helped protect him, all the investigations in which he was involved came under scrutiny. As far as we know, nothing new has been brought to light in that case. The current homeowners of the Bokens' home, who had bought the house in the 70s, invited Sandy to come see where her mother had been buried if she wanted to. It was an emotional and sad experience for her, but it helped provide some of the closure that she had been needing all these years. The homeowners expressed relief after the body had been discovered, stating that for so many years the odd occurrences in the home had driven them crazy. Things like doors opening and closing on their own, light bulbs untwisting on their own, and you never felt alone in the house. Miraculously, once the body was discovered, Louise's family had closure, and the haunting actively stopped altogether. Louise was reaching out
0: that whole time trying to communicate with someone that would help her. That's so
1: incredible. I definitely believe in the paranormal, and Louise was not going to rest in the place that Bill decided to lay her.
0: With help from his fellow police, Bill Boken was never held accountable for what he did to Louise. She escaped an abusive husband only to be murdered by an abusive boyfriend. He not only robbed Sandy from growing up with her mother, but his torture of Louise's family continued for over 50 years by refusing them the closure they so badly needed. There is nothing that should give an abusive person a pass not wealth, career type, or powerful social connections. Violent people must be held accountable for their actions. Their victims deserve at least that much.
1: The National Center on Domestic Violence, Trauma, and Mental Health provides training, support, consultation to advocates, mental health, and substance abuse providers, along with legal professionals and policymakers. They work to improve agency and system-level responses to survivors and their children. Their work is survivor-defined and rooted in principles of social justice. If you are a victim of domestic violence or know someone who is, go to www.nationalcenterdvtraumamh.org or call 312-726-7020 for more information.
0: To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Steph and Sham. Editing of this episode by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Elena. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure podcast for the question of the week.
1: Steph, what is our Conjure tip of
0: the week? This week, I want to talk about crystal pendulums. A pendulum is a symmetrical weighted object that is hung from a single chain or cord. The pendulum acts as a receiver and transmitter of information, and moves in different ways in response to direct questions. The pendulum you chose can be your favorite crystal or the one you feel more drawn to. You could even have more than one pendulum, if you wish, with different crystals on them to use for different occasions. Clear quartz, for example, is a popular choice as the crystal is associated with clarity. Amethyst, which has a strong connection with the spiritual, is popular too. Like anything, the more we connect with a tool, like a pendulum, the more accurate it becomes, and the more we can trust the answers it provides.
1: You recently got me one of those with the seven chakras on the chain, and I absolutely love it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until next time, stay vigilant, conjurers.